The thirty-second book of Orlando Furioso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. Translated by Sir John Harrington. Book thirty-two. The Argument. Good Bradamant, Rogero long expecteth, but heareth news that touch her very nigh, how he all other loves beside neglecteth to wed Marphisa, thus the fame doth fly. To Arley Bradamant her course directeth to kill Marphisa, or herself to die. Three kings, and Ulani she doth subdue, those with her spear, and this with passing hue. I now remember how by promise bound before this time I should have made you know upon what cause fair Bradamant did ground the jealous humours overcharged her so. She never took before so sore a wound, she never felt before such bitter woe. No, not the tale which Ricardetto told her, in such a fit and so great pangs did hold her. To tell you first, when I should have begun, Rinaldo called my tale another way. No sooner with Rinaldo had I done, but straight with Guiden I was forced to stay. From this to that thus unawares I run, that I forgot of Bradamant to say. But now I mean to speak of her before I speak of those two champions any more. Yet needs I borrow must a word or twain how Agrament to Arley did retire, and gathered there the few that did remain escaped from the fury of the fire where not far off from africa nor spain he plants as fit as he could well desire for lying on a flood so near the seas both men and victual were supplied at ease to muster men marsilio had commission that may supply the place of them were lost of ships of war there was no small provision soon had he gathered up a mighty host there was no want of armor and munition there was no spare of labor nor of cost that with such taxes Africa was cessed, that all the cities were full sore oppressed. And further, Agrament, that he might win fierce Rodomont to aid him with his power, did offer him a match of his near kin, King Almont's daughter, with a realm and dower. But he his proffer weighs not worth a pin, but keeps the bridge, and doth the passage scour, that with his spoils the place was well nigh filled, of those he had dismounted, tain, and killed, but fair Marphisa took another way, for when she heard how long the siege had lasted, how Agrament his camp at Arley lay, how both his men were slain and store was wasted, she sought no cause of any more delay, but thither straight without inviting hasted, her purse and person offering in the fight in just defending of his crown and right. She brings Brunello, and the king she gave him, who had given cause of every just defence. Ten days and ten she did of curtsy save him, to see who durst to stand in his defence. But when that no man made the means to have him, though she to kill him had so good pretence, she thought it base her noble hands to file upon an abject dastard and a vile. She will defer revenge on all his wrong, and unto Arley brought him to the king, whose joy to tell would ask a learned tongue, both for the aid and present she did bring. For show whereof, before it should be long, he offered her to make Brunello ring, and at what time she pleased to appoint, to have him sent to crack his chiefest joint. Unto some desert place he banished was, to serve for meat for carrion crows and pies. Rogero, that had helped him oft, alas, now cannot hear his piteous moans and cries. He lies sore wounded as it comes to pass, and little knows where poor Brunello lies. 
and when he understands thereof at last it is so late already it is past this while what torments bradamant endured those twenty days how did she wail and mourn against which time she thought herself assured her love to her and to the faith should turn she makes no doubt but he might have procured within that space to make his home return yea though he were in prison kept or banished if troth and care of promise were not banished in this long looking she would often blame the fiery coursers of the heavenly light she thought that phoebus wheels were out of frame or that his chariot was not in good plight great joshua's day seemed shorter than these same and shorter seemed the false amphitryon's night each day and night she thought was more than doubled so fancy blind her sense and reason troubled she now envies the dormouse of his rest and wished some heavy sleep might overtake her wherewith she might most deadly be possessed till her rogero should return to wake her but waking cares a lodged in her breast that her desired sleep did quite forsake her to sleep so long doth so much pass her power she cannot frame her eyes to wink one hour but turns and tosses in her restless bed alas no turning turns her cares away oft at the window she puts forth her head to see how near it waxeth unto day when by the dawning darksome night is fled she notwithstanding stands in that same stay and during all the time that day doth last she wishes for the night again as fast when fifteen days were of the twenty spent she grows in hope that his approach is nigh then from a tower with eyes to paris bent she waits and watches if she can descry at least some messenger that he hath sent may bring the news where her sweetheart doth lie and satisfy her mind by what hard chance he is constrained to stay so long in france if far aloof the shine of armor bright or anything resembling it she spies she straightway hopes it is her only night and wipes her face and clears her blubbered eyes if any one unarmed do come in sight it may be one from him she doth surmise and though by proof she find each hope untrue she ceaseth not for that to hope anew sometime all armed she mounteth on her steed and so rides forth in hope to meet her dear but soon some fancy her conceit doth feed that he is past some other way more near then homeward hasteth she with as much speed yet she at home no news of him can hear from day to day she passeth on this fashion hither and thither tossed with her passion now when her twenty days were full expired and that beside were passed some days more yet not rogero come whom she desired her heart with care and sorrows waxed sore with cries and plaints the woods and caves she tired her breast she beat her golden locks she tore nor while these gripes of grief her heart embrace doth she forbear her eyes or angel face why then quoth she beseems it me in vain to seek him still who thus for me doth slide shall i esteem of him that doth disdain my suit and scorn the torments i abide him in whose heart a hate of me doth reign him that accounts his virtues so well tried as though some goddess should from heaven descend before that he his heart to love would bend though stout he is he knows how well i love him and how i honour him with soul and heart yet can my hot affection nothing move him to let me of his love possess some part 
and lest he might perceive it would behoove him to ease my grief if he did know my smart to give me hearing of my plaint he fears as to the charm the adder stops his ears love stop his course that doth so loosely range and flit so fast before my sorry pace or with my former state else let me change when i sought not to track thy tedious trace i hope in vain remorse to thee is strange thou dost triumph upon my piteous case for hearts thy meat thy drink is lovers tears their cries the music doth delight thine ears but whom blame i it was my fond desire that first enticed me to this killing call and made me past my reach so far aspire that now i feel the greater is my fall for when aloft my wings be touched with fire then farewell flight and i am left to fall but still they spring and still i upward tend and still i see my fall and find no end desire quoth i myself i was too light to give desire an entrance in my breast who when he had my reason put to flight and of my heart himself was full possessed no room for joy is left or heart's delight since i do harbour this unruly guest who though he guide me to my certain fall the long expectance grieves me worst of all then mine the fault be if it be a fault to love a knight deserves to be beloved with all good inward parts so richly fraught whose virtues be so known and well approved and more whom would not his sweet face have caught myself i must confess his beauty moved what blind unhappy wretch were she would shun the pleasing prospect of the precious sun beside my destiny which drew me on by others sugared speech i was entrained as though i should by this great match anon another paradise on earth have gained but now their words into the wind be gone and i in purgatory am restrained well may i merlin curse the false deceiver yet my rogero i shall love for ever i hoped of merlin's and melissa's promises who did such stories of our race foretell is this the prophet of believing prophecies and giving credit to the sprites of hell alas they might have found them better offices than me to flout that trusted them so well but all for envy have they wrought me this so to bereave me of my former bliss thus sighs and lamentations are not feigned small place was left for comfort in her breast yet spite of sorrows hope was entertained and though with much ado yet in it pressed to ease her mourning heart when she complained and giving her sometimes some little rest by sweet remembrance of the words he spake when he was forced of her his leave to take the minding of those words did so recure her wounded heart that she was well content for one month's space his absence to endure yea when his days of promise quite were spent yet still she looked for him you may be sure and many a time that way she came and went till by the way at last such news she hard that all the hope she had before was marred for she by chance did meet a gascoigne knight that in the wars of africa was caught one that was taken captive in that fight then when for paris the great field was fought what she requires to know he could recite but careless of the other news he brought of her rogero chiefly she inquires to hear of him is all that she desires 
of whom the knight could let her understand, for in that court he late his life had led, how Mandricard and he fought hand to hand, and how much blood on either part was shed, and though by wounds himself in peril stand, that he subdued his foe and left him dead. Now, if with this his story he had ended, Rogero's excuse had very well been mended. But he proceeds to tell how one was there a lady hight Marfisa in the field, whose fame for martial acts did shine most clear, whose beauty rare to few or none did yield. Rogero her, she held Rogero dear. They never were asunder, or but sealed, and that they too, as every one there saith, the ton the t'other plighted have their faith. And if Rogero once were whole and sound, their wedding should be celebrate with speed that such a pair as yet was never found and happy they should come of such a seed how much it joyed the pagan princes round to think upon the race they too should breed which likely were all others to excel in feats of arms that erst on earth did well the gascoigne knight of all that he had said himself had reason to believe was sooth so general a fame thereof was spread there were but few but had it in their mouth some little kindness she did use had fed their foolish humours of this false untruth still fame will grow if once abroad it fly although the ground be troth or be a lie they came indeed together to this fight and many times together they were seen for he was warlike stout and worthy knight and she a gallant fair and dainty queen by which suspicion never judging right did gather straight they had assured been and specially because when she departed to visit him she was so soon revarted of just suspect their reason was but slender if they had weighed well their virtues rare though of his wounds she seemed to be so tender and of his danger had so great a care against bad tongues no goodness can defend her but those most free from faults they least will spare but prate of them whom they have scantly known, and judge their humours to be like their own. Now when the knight avowed the tale he told, and yet in truth you know twas but a tale, the damsel's heart was touched with shivering cold, the little hope she had, away it stale. Almost in sound her seat she scarce could hold, with morning cheer and face both wan and pale she said no more but mad with grief and ire her horse she turned and homeward did retire and all in armour on her bed she lies she wished a thousand times she now were dead she bites the sheets to damp her sobs and cries the gascoigne's news still bearing in her head her heart is swoln and blubbered be her eyes with trickling tears bedewed is her bed when grief would be no longer holden in, needs out it must, and thus it doth begin. How wretched me! Whom might a maiden find in whom she might be bold to put her trust? Since you, Rogero mine, become unkind and tread your faith and promise in the dust. You, only you, mine eye so far did blind, I still esteemed you faithful, true, and just ah never wench that loved so sincerely was in requital punished so severely why my rogero why do you forget sith you in beauty pass each other night and do in feats of arms such honour get as none can match your chivalry and fight this golden virtue with the rest to set by which your glorious name will shine more bright if as in other graces you abound so in your promise constancy were found this is the virtue breeds most estimation by which all other virtues show more clear 
as things most fair do lose their commendation which by the want of light cannot appear what glory was it by false protestation her to deceive whose saint and god you were whom your fair speeches might have made believe that water should be carried in a sieve from any heinous act wouldst thou refrain that murderest her who bears thee so good will how wouldst thou use thy foe that thus in pain dost let thy friend to be tormented still thou that with breach of faith thy heart dost stain no doubt thou dost not care for doing ill well this i know that god is ever just he will ere long revenge my wrongs i trust for why unthankfulness is that great sin which made the devil and his angels fall lost him and them the joys that they were in and now in hell detains them bound and thrall then mark the guerdon thou art like to win for why like faults like punishment do call in being thus unthankful unto me that always was so faithful unto thee besides of theft thyself thou canst not quit if theft it be to take that is not thine the keeping of my heart no that's not it that thou shouldst have it i do not repine thyself thou stalest which i cannot remit thyself thou knowst thou art or shouldst be mine thou knowst damnation doth to them belong that do keep back another's right by wrong though thou rogero do forsake me so i cannot will nor choose but love thee still and since there is no measure of my woe death is the only way to end mine ill but thus to cut off life and thou my foe it makes me do it with a worser will yet had i died when best i did thee please i should have counted death no death but ease when with these words she was resolved to die she took her sword in hand for that intent and forced herself upon the point to lie her armour then her purpose did prevent a better spirit checked her by and by and in her heart this secret reason went o noble lady born to so great fame wilt thou thus end thy days with so great shame nay rather if thou beest resolved to die unto the camp why dost thou not repair where bodies of brave knights in heaps do lie lo there to honour the directest stair the loss of life with glory thou mayst buy to die in thy rogero's sight were fair and happily by him thou mayst be slain so he that wrought thy woe may rid thy pain thou mayst be sure marphisa there to see who hath so falsely stolen away thy friend if first on her thou couldst revenge it be with more contented mind thy days would end unto this counsel she doth best agree and onward on this journey straight doth tend she takes a new device that might imply a desperation and a will to die the colour of her bases was almost like to the falling whitish leaves and dry which when the moisture of the branch is lost forsakenly about the tree doth lie with cypress trunks embroidered and embossed for cypress once but cut will always die a fine conceit she thinks to represent in secret sort her inward discontent she took astolfo's horse and goldalance as fittest both for this her present feet that spear could make the bravest knight to dance and caper with a touch beside his seat but where astolfo had it by what chance or why he gave it need i not repeat 
she took it notwithstanding her election not knowing of that magical confection thus all alone without both squire and page thus furnished she set herself in way to parisward she travelled in a rage whereas the camp of sarsens lately lay and as she thought kept up king charles in cage not understanding how before that day rinaldo aiding charles with malagige had forced them from thence to raise their siege now had she left mount dordan at her back when little way behind her she descried a gallant damsel following of her track a shield of gold unto her saddle tied of squires and other servants none did lack and three brave knights were riding by her side but of the squires that overtook her last she asked one what those were that by her passed and straight the worthy lady it was told how from pole arctic that same damsel came sent from a queen with that fair shield of gold unto king charles that there was known by fame but so as he must this condition hold that on a knight he must bestow the same such one as he in his imagination for prowess deemed most worthy reputation for she of island isle that holds the rein and is and knows it that she is most fair doth think she should her worth not little stain and her great fame and honour much impair if any knight her isle and her should gain except he stood so high on honour's stair as that he were adjudged in feats of war the primer man and passing others far wherefore the cause she sends to france is this she thinks if she shall find one anywhere that in the court of france he surely is and therefore she doth send to greet him there as for those three because you shall not miss to know the truth i'll tell you what they were they were three kings of whom great fame there goth of norway one one swetland one of goth these three though far they dwell from island isle yet love of that same queen hath brought them hither this isle is called perduta otherwhile because the seamen lees it in foul weather these kings lived from their country in exile and to this queen were suitors altogether and she that knew not well how to forbid them with this same pretty shift from thence she rid them she saith she minds to wed for her behoof that wight that most excels in warlike action and though quoth she you show no little proof of value here as twere in private faction yet i must have you tried more far aloof before my mind can have full satisfaction wherefore i mean myself and crown to yield alone to him that bringeth back my shield this is the cause that these three kings did move each one to come from so remote a nation with purpose firm their utmost force to prove to win the golden shield with reputation or lease their lives for that fair lady's love if that they failed of their expectation when he had told her thus he her forsook and soon his company he overtook the damsel rode a softer pace behind and so as in a while she lost their sight and often she revolved in her mind the tale the fellow told with small delight she doubts this shield bestowed in such a kind will be in france a cause of brawl and fight that this will be a means she greatly fears to set her kin together all by the ears this fancy moved her much but more than this that former jealous fancy did her move that her rogero's kindness altered is that on marphisa he had placed his love 
this so possessed her sense that she did miss her way nor never thought as did behoove till night was almost come and sun nigh set where she a lodging for herself may get even as an empty vessel that was tied unto a wharf with some old rotten cable if that the knot do hap to break or slide so that to hold it be no longer able is borne away as please the wind and tide so bradamant with mind and thoughts unstable was in such muse as she the right way missed and so was borne where rabicano list but when she saw the sun was almost set she took more heed and asking of a clown a shepherd that by hap thereby she met where she might lodging get ere sun went down the shepherd made her answer that as yet she was almost a league from any town or other place where she might eat or lodge save at a castle called sir tristram's lodge but every one that list is not assured though he do thither come to stay therein to martial feats they must be well inured with spear and shield they must their lodging win such custom in the place hath long endured and many years ago it did begin wherefore tis good that one be well advised ere such an act by him be enterprised in brief thus is their order if a knight do find the lodgings void they him receive with promise that if more arrive that night either he shall to them his lodging leave or else with each of them shall prove in fight which of them can of lodging t'other reeve if none do come that night he shall in quiet have both his horse-meat lodging and his diet if four or five do come together first the castle-keeper must them entertain who cometh single after hath the worst for if he hope a lodging there to gain he must according to that law accursed fight with all those that did therein remain likewise if one come first and more come later he must go fight with them yet ne'er the later the like case is if any maid or dame do come alone or else accompanied both they that first and they that latest came must by a jury have their beauties tried then shall the fairest of them hold the same but to the rest that come shall be denied thus much the shepherd unto her did say and with his finger showed to her the way about three miles was distant then the place the damsel thither hastes with great desire and though that rabicano trot apace yet was the way so deep and full of mire the snow and drift still beating in their face she later came than manners good require but though it were as then both dark and late she boldly bounced at the castle gate the porter told her that the lodgings all were filled by knights that late before them took who now stood by the fire amid the hall and did ere long to have their supper look well answered she then have they cause but small if they be supperless to thank the cook i know quoth she the custom and will keep it and mean to win their lodging ere i sleep yet the porter went and did her message bold to those great states then standing by the fire who took small pleasure when they heard it told for thence to part they had so small desire now chiefly when twas rainy dark and cold but so their oath and order did require that they must do it were it cold or warm and therefore quickly they themselves did arm these were those three great kings whom that same day dame bradamant had seen but few hours past though they had sooner finished their way because she rode so soft and they so fast now when they were all armed they make no stay but all on horseback mount themselves at last no doubt but few in strength these three did pass 
yet of those few sure one this damsel was who purposed as it seemeth nothing less than in so wet and in so cold a night to lack a lodging and sleep supperless now those within at windows see the sight the men themselves on horseback do address to look thereon for why the moon gave light and thus at last though first twere somewhat late they did abase the bridge and ope the gate even as a secret and lascivious lover rejoiceth much when after long delays and many fears in which his hope did hover he hears at last the noise of pretty kays so bradamant that hopes now to recover a lodging for the which so long she stays did in her mind in such like sort rejoice when as she heard the watchful porter's voice now when those knights and some few of their train were past the bridge the dame her horse doth turn to take the field and then with speed again with full career she doth on them return and couch that spear yet never couched in vain for whom it hits it still doth overturn this spear her cousin when he went from france gave unto her the name was goldalance the valiant king of swethland was the first that met her and the next the king of goth the staff doth hit them full and never burst but from their saddles it did heave them both but yet the king of norway sped the worst it seemed to leave his saddle he was loath his gurses break and he fell upside down in danger with the mire to choke and drown thus at three blows three kings she down did bear and hoist their heels full high their heads full low then entered she the castle void of fear they stand without that night in rain and snow yet ere she could get in one caused her swear to keep the custom which they made her know and then the master doth to her great honour and entertainment great bestow it on her now when the lady did disarm her head off with her helmet came her little call and all her hair her shoulders overspread and both her sex and name was known withal and wonder great and admiration bred in them that saw her make three princes fall for why she showed to be in all their sight as fair in face as she was fierce in fight even as a stage set forth with pomp and pride where rich men cost and cunning art bestow when curtains be removed that all did hide doth make by light of torch a glittering show or as the sun that in a cloud did bide when that is gone doth clearer seem to grow so bradamant when as her head was barest her colour and her beauty seemed rarest now stood the guests all round about the fire expecting food with talk their ears yet feeding while every one doth wonder and admire her speech and grace the others all exceeding the while her host to tell she doth desire from whence and whom this custom was proceeding that men were driven unto their great disquiet to combat for their lodging and their diet fair dame said he some time there ruled in france king pharamond whose son a comely knight clodian by name by good or evil chance upon a lovely lady did alight but as we see it oftentimes doth chance that jealousy and love mars men's delight thus he of her in time so jealous grew he durst not let her go out of his view nor ever argus kept the milk-white cow more straight than clodion here did keep his wife ten nights eke to this place he doth allow thereby for to prevent all casual strife thus hope and fear between i know not how as he prolongs his self-tormenting life the good sir tristram thither did repair and in his company a lady fair 
whom he had rescued but a little since from giant's hand with whom he did her find sir tristram sought for lodging with the prince for then the sun was very low declined but as a horse with galled back will wince even so our clodian with as galled mind forecasting doubts and dreading every danger would by no means be one to lodge a stranger when as sir tristram long had prayed in vain and still denied the thing he did demand that which i cannot with your will obtain in spite of you said he i will command i here will prove your villainy most plain with lance in rest and with my sword in hand and straight he challenged the combat then to fight with clodion and the other ten thus only they agreed upon the case if clodion and his men were overthrown that all then presently should void the place and that sir tristram there should lie alone so clodion to avoid so great disgrace the challenge took for why excuse was none in fine both clodion and his men well knocked and from the castle that same night were locked triumphant tristram to the castle came and for that night as on his own he seized and there he saw the princess lovely dame and talked with her who him not little pleased this while sir clodion was in part with shame and more with thought and jealous fear diseased disdaining not in humble sort to woo him by message mild to send his wife unto him but he though her he do not much esteem for why by means of an enchanted potion isotta fairest unto him did seem to whom he vowed had his whole devotion yet for he did the jealous clodion deem some plague to merit he denied his motion and swears it were no manners nor no reason a lady to unlodge at such a season but if saith he it do his mind offend to lie all night alone and eke abroad tell him i will this other lady send to him that shall with him make her abode now tell him that to keep this i intend the which to win i have such pain bestowed tis reason that the fairest should remain with him that is the strongest of us twain clodion in mind was wondrous malcontent used so not like a prince but like a patch that puffing blowing up and down he went all night as one were set to keep a watch but whether he do chafe or else lament he found the night for him too hard a match next day sir tristram let him have his wife and so for that time finished was the strife for openly he on his honour swore that he her honour had that night preserved although discourtesies he had before had at his hands a great revenge deserved yet in that clodion had lodged out of door he was content that penance should have served he natheless took it for no good excuse to say that love was cause of such abuse for love should gentle make rude hearts and base and not in gentle mind breed humours vile now when sir tristram parted from the place sir clodion meant to stay there but a while but to a knight that stood much in his grace he grants the keeping of this stately pile keeping one law for him and for his heirs with every one that to the place repairs that namely ever he that was most strong should there be lodged and she that was most fair and that the rest should take it for no wrong to walk abroad into the open air this is the law which hath endured long and no man may the strength thereof impair now while the man this story did repeat the steward on the board did set the meat 
the board was covered in a stately hall whose match was scarce in all the country seen with goodly pictures drawn upon the wall all round about but chiefly on the screen these they did look on with delight not small and would have quite forgot their meat i ween save that their noble host did them advise to feed their bellies first and then their eyes now as they down did at the table sit the master of the house began to lower and said they did an error great commit to lodge two ladies come in sundry hour needs one must be put out where e'er it hit and go abroad into the cold and shower the fairest sith they came not both together must bide the foulest must go try the weather two aged men and women more beside he called and bade them quickly take a view which of the twain should in the place abide and namely which of twain had fairest hue this jury do the matter soon decide and gave their verdict as it was most true that bradamant passed her in hue as far as she excelled the men in feats of war then spake the knight unto the island dame whose mind was full of timorous suspicion i pray you think it not a scorn or shame for hence you must there can be no remission poor ulany so was the damsel's name doth think she now is driven to hard condition yet in her conscience true she knew it was that bradamant in beauty her did pass even as we see the sun obscured sometime by sudden rising of a misty cloud engendered by the vapour breeding slime and in the middle region then embowed so when the damsel plainly saw that time her presence in the place was not allowed she was so changed in countenance and in cheer that even unlike herself she did appear but much astonied with the sudden passion she ready was to sound in all their sight but bradamant that would not for compassion permit that she should go abroad that night did say this trial was of no good fashion and that the judgment hardly could be right when men observe not this same chief regard as not to judge before both parts be hard i that on me do take her to defend say thus that be i fair or less or more i came not as a woman nor intend as woman now to be adjudged therefore who knows my sex except i condescend to show the same and one should evermore shun to confirm things doubtful or deny it when chiefly others may be harmed by it yet who can say precisely what i am for many men do wear their hair as long and you do know that as a man i came and all my gestures to a man belong wherefore in giving me a woman's name to both of us perhaps you may do wrong your law points women if their right be done by women not by warriors to be won but yet admit it were as you do guess that i indeed were of the female gender though that it is so i do not confess should i to her my lodging then surrender if that my beauty of the two were less no sure in that the reason were but slender the price that unto virtue longs of duty should not be ta'en away for want of beauty and if your law were such that needs of force unto the fairest lodging should be given yet at this feast i tarry would perforce and from my lodging i would not be driven wherefore mine arguments i thus enforce that this same match between us is not even for striving here with me the case is plain she much may lease and little she may gain and where the gain and loss unequal is the match is evil made in common sense 
Wherefore I think it were not much amiss with this same law for this time to dispense, and if that any dare mislike of this, or seem to take the matter in offence, I will with sword be ready to maintain that mine advice is good, and his is vain. Thus noble Ammon's daughter moved with pity, in her behalf, who to her great disgrace should have been sent where neither town nor city was near almost in three leagues of the place, framed her defence so stout and eke so witty, that to her reason all the rest gave place but chief the peril great and hazard weighing that might have grown to them by her gainsaying as when the sun in summer hath most power and that the ground with heat thereof is rived for want of rain the dry and parched flower doth fade and is as twere of life deprived but if in season come a fruitful shower it riseth up and is again revived so when the damsel this defence did hear she waxed fair again of better cheer and thus at last they fell unto their feast in quiet sort for none did come that night to challenge any of them or molest no traveller nor any wandering knight all merry were but bradamante least fell jealousy barred her of all delight her stomach so distempering and her taste she took no pleasure of that sweet repast when supper ended was they all arise although perhaps they would have longer sate save for desire they had to feed their eyes and now the night was spent and waxed late the master of the house in seemly wise doth call for torches to set out his state and straight with torchlight filled was the hall but what they saw hereafter show i shall End of Book 32